This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the makings of it. Barnes has come in. Oh, a fine goal by John Barnes. That's a beauty. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. My name's Matt Messian and I'm joined by Jordan Weimer and Tom Burdell to reflect on Sunday's late FA Cup heartbreak against Southampton. First thing first though, how are you guys doing? How do you, how do you feel generally about the FA Cup? Are you are you fans of the FA Cup or or not so much? Let's start with you, Tom. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I, I love the FA Cup because I'm 31 years old and we've done quite well historically in it in that time I was thinking about this yesterday when I was at the game that I've been to three semi-finals as a Watford fan in the FA Cup which I think in a kind of course of 20 odd years is not bad going really and when you watch the highlights and read coverage of it you, you hear about these teams that have not made it out of the third round or beyond the fourth round, do you think, blimey, that's a decent-sized club. Mm. So actually, I think we're quite spoiled and that feeds into my enjoyment of it. All that said, and I'm sure we'll get on to it, the (laughs) (laughs) draw doesn't exactly fill me with excitement. Mm. How about you then, Jordan? Are you a fan of the FA Cup or could you do about it? No, I think I'm pretty much exactly the same as Tom there. You know, the same age with the same number of, of semis and... And obviously, find as well. And it's it's been, I don't know. I think there's been there's been a few seasons where we've done reasonably well in the cup in in quite obscure, mediocre seasons too. So it's given you a little bit of life in in, in terms of the season as a whole. So no, I do enjoy it. And um, yeah, I mean, I can't really disagree with. I can't really add or disagree with too much that, that Tom said. Tom said there. What about you, Matt? Are you kind of on the same. You're a little bit old than us. Maybe any of the cup runs in there you can remember from the <laughs> from 1990, perhaps. To be fair, I didn't really get involved until kind of like 98, 99, so... I think they did better in the League Cup in the 90s, didn't they? Was There was a year when they played and beat Leeds when they were champions really? of England. And I feel you like know, there was I don't a game... I remember year, that. I, 
Either beat or lost. I mean, those are the two outcomes of football, typically, <laughs> aren't they? But We've got a slightly older section of fans listening to this right now, just cringing and scratching their th- eyes out at this. Uh... I know, I know. Yeah, we should steer yeah, across We have, this. we have. Um, right, well, you know what? I love the FA Cup. Um, I think it gives you a lot of options, um, not just, you know, the fact that generally tickets are a little bit cheaper, um, because the club wants people to to come in and, and people sometimes steer away from the cup. So it, tickets are a bit cheaper, which means that more fans can come. People that perhaps wouldn't have normally been able to to see the game, get a chance to, to watch the, the, you know, the team that they enjoy. Um, you get to see a lot of the time players who are on the fringes. So you get a chance to see how they're doing and if they weren't a start in the league. And um, you get to play interesting teams, teams that you wouldn't normally face, which is why I think all of us generally dislike an FA Cup game when you're playing against a team in your own division because you're like, oh, God, it's more of the same. Fine. Yeah, we had a few. Mm. I thought we've had quite a few of those too. I honestly believe you shouldn't be allowed to draw. I would. I'd be up for that. League. I'd be up for that rule, Tom. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. And actually, I'd also add into that and say, if you are drawing a team against your own league. Uh, you don't have to have a replay. The, the game is finished on the day. It doesn't benefit anyone, does it, really? No. I think you should just be allowed to agree it with the, the um, opponent ahead of time. Just say, no, we don't, want to, we don't want to replay extra time and pens or even skip extra time and go to pens. Yeah. Would you rather a straight up no replays at all? No, because I think it would really harm the clubs particularly the, the the lower division the lower division teams who really would rely on that kind of income that they could get from having an away fixture yeah. or your home fixture against one of these big clubs you know they get another chance to do it again if they get to that and it's kind of a reward the replay is a reward whereas for teams in the same division the replay is not a reward at all I mean, even I if even if you had like a national league team that. that was playing another national league team, they probably wouldn't want to have that game again because it's you know they've got they've got games to get done. They're not getting from that anything from that game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite agree. Well, thanks for joining us in this week's episode of the Botford Buzz. Yeah, yeah. Of we hate the FA Cup, even though we just no, 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 it. we do love it. And I mean, look, the, the game uh, Maidstone United uh, played out. I watched that one, and I, I really enjoyed watching that. I, and you know how how well did they do to get past Ipswich? Proper FA Cup stuff, that wasn't it. I watched the first hour before I went out and watched the Boreham Woods uh, oh, yeah. game, and Maidstone just did the classic. Cup shock thing, didn't they? They weathered yeah. the storm, Ipswich hit the post, they hit the bar, deflected over, keeper made some saves, and they got two goals from their only two shots and won the game. Fantastic, fantastic story given where they've been and had to reform and play in, you know, county level stuff. So yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. However, Watford, unfortunately, weren't able to conjure up as much um, delight. Although, although I, I, I would argue that the first half was probably one of the better first halves that I've seen from, from a Watford performance-wise um, this season. Uh, what did you make of, of Watford, Jordan? Yeah, I was, I was quite impressed, actually. Um, you know, I think we, we, we knew kind of roughly what Southampton were going to be trying to do to us. Um, you, you can choose how you approach that. But we've seen we've seen Ismail take on a, a team that's going to be a little bit more dominant previously and 
we didn't we showed signs of being able to to kind of play that slightly more compact counter-attacking side and 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 look to break in that way and but it was never quite as consistent but I thought yesterday was really um really quite good you know we we looked comfortable and I'd say you know arguably we were the we were the more effective of the two teams you know, Southampton had a lot of the ball but it weren't particularly threatening um however I thought we looked quite comfortable out of possession which I can't really say I've not been able to say too many times in, in recent years of Watford fan. We've looked comfortable and we we play a little bit deeper, um, drop off the ball. You know, we've tried it quite often, especially in the Premier League, and it's never really looked that um, that convincing. But I have to say it did, and I think the 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 work rate of the team was really good. I think you know you look at the wingers; were both both quite active defensively. They're getting back. Martins, I thought, had a really good game defensively, as well as breaking forwards too. Um, same with the Aspria when he was kind of popping up on the left hand side; that really good uh, there as well. And yeah, just quite unfortunate in a lot of ways. Um, but I think the the team is going to take quite a lot from that, and uh, having different ways you can play, different options is obviously important. But um, that was a good performance. I think I think the head coach is probably going to be pretty happy on the whole with the uh, performance the result obviously as we kind of just discussed is not ideal but um, yeah pretty good yeah Tom both teams uh, made the changes for this one I think Southampton probably more so than than Watford but um, do you think this was a game that was uh, decided really from the substitutions yeah this is the prevailing kind of narrative in the analysis isn't it Southampton made nine changes I think it was and I have to admit there are a couple of lads that i they started with that I hadn't even heard of before. Magoma at left back and um, Dibbling. You know, not pretending to know every player ever, but I'd never heard of them. Um, and then they brought on Stuart Armstrong, Adam Armstrong and a couple of others. And I think that turned the tide at the time that we were bringing in Ken Semmer, who's been out for a while with injury, Emmanuel Dennis, who obviously hasn't played a lot of football, James Morris, who hasn't played a vast amount of football either. Porteous, who form-wise, you know, up and down. And, and I think it was clear that, you know, they came in 22 unbeaten and they were pretty desperate to keep that run mm. going, weren't they? Um, even if it was at the expense for a replay. So, yeah, I think it probably did decide on those changes because for a, a long period, I think, as Jordan said, I think we were, you know, fairly comfortable. It felt like they had a reasonable amount of the ball, Southampton, but they didn't create great clear-cut chances. Certainly the XG, according to Flash score, was pretty close. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a case of us taking a battering or anything like that, but they got deeper and deeper and, and, and Southampton kind of territorially crept up the pitch and the pressure was on. And I think that was also a, a result of bringing on the extra centre-half. Porteous, you know, you... You don't necessarily have that outlet. You, from a mentality point of view, it's much more defensive, and they kind of maybe smell a little bit of blood. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned, Tom, we, we started the better of the of the two teams, and then we we got given a free kick. Um, and I don't think anyone was really you know expecting much, but Martin steps up and scores what was probably I don't know what the first free kick we scored. How long has it been since we scored a free kick? There was the there was the other mass in the one against Cardiff, wasn't there? And then there wasn't. Well, there was one more recently too. There was one more between that, wasn't there? Because there was that big hoo ha when they scored the Cardiff one about how long it had been since we had scored a free kick. I'm sure we've scored one in the interim as well. I certainly didn't have Mateus Martins down as free kick taker, but it was a really clever one, and actually it was fairly well lined up in front of me. I was in the lower GT for a change, and um, towards that end. And it was, you know, it was lovely. And I kind of got a sense that he might 
do that because it was all kind of set up and prepared the wall and Joe Lumley that is for him to go to the other side. So it was a really nicely executed goal and actually and just thought there's now both the goals were kind of wrong footing the keeper, weren't they? Ball going low into that corner. Um but if that's another string to his bow then then great because he could be a bit more or a bit less wasteful at times. So by yeah, cutting in and shooting as we know. So yeah, no, it's it's a nice goal. That's really bothering me now how this last free kick was. I think I did see something along the lines of that was the last free kick we scored at home since 2016. Oh, wow. Um, or the first free kick we scored at, at home since 2016. But I just swear there was one. Oh, was it Imran Loser at, at Blackpool? Of course. Yes. That's right. Yes. That's right. Um, yeah, what, what do you think about the one-man wall from Southampton? Was that a bit, even this in the, in the kind of build-up to the free kick, it looked a little suspect. Quite close to only have one man, wasn't it? Seemed it just gives the keeper a little bit more to do, didn't it? I didn't notice it at the time, but I've seen this and been discussion since. Yeah, it, it seemed um, like a mistake from their part. And, uh, you know, when, when they got a free kit, you could see that we'd, uh, I don't know, I don't know if it was part of the plan or not, but we'd certainly made sure our wall was uh, aligned and, um, and, and uh, full of bodies. What I would say is there's been some debate before, and I'm sure it'll come up again in the future about the benefit of walls at free kicks and are they actually hindering keepers more than they're aiding them? You know, these days you see the kind of primary rule, the secondary wall, the attacking team putting bodings in the way, the draft excluder. Is there an argument to say in certain situations, a 25, 20-yard shot, you're more likely to save it, this being the exception that proves this rule, um, if you get a clear view of it in the first place. I think my argument would be against that is you have, if you have no wall, the trajectory of the ball can be so much different. You can strike it so much cleaner, can't you? You can just have like a True. real power driven shot, which then maybe just makes it, I don't know, I think, I mean, I don't want to be the team to test it out, but it's an interesting question. Clearly that no. was the, the worst of both worlds for Southampton there because it just was enough to to change the sight a little bit, but also just not really scramble across. It was poor setup, poor defence, um, and just kind of the opportunity we needed. It felt like it coming kind of pre, prior to that, we... Obviously, it's very early on, but you can see there's a little bit of fragility there. And you know, I think obviously the free kicks are a direct free kick we scored from, but set pieces in general, I thought actually kind of, again, for the first time in a long time, I can say I felt that like they were kind of our biggest threat at times. They were certainly beating the first man, weren't they? There was a few that came in and I thought, go on then, get on that. Um, and they either didn't or the contact was poor, but I don't think it was the delivery. I think it was, you know, the timing of the jumper or the player attacking it. But no, I agree with you. It felt like we were more of a threat than normal. I think, as you said, the delivery is really good. Looks more consistent, but also the the movement of the players. And you know, we talked in the last podcast about um, you know what are we doing, what are we doing with this offensive set piece um, taking, and are, are we trying to you know find ways to get to get through on goal a little bit more and, and get shots away? You know, we talked about the, the change in or the the hiring of a, of a set piece coach, and I think this one, this game, really started to see it coming together a little bit. We, you know, we, we've got maybe a guy that we can count on a little bit more to get the ball in in Shakhtar, but the movement. There's, there's one in particular of the Serie header um, that he really should have scored from at 1-0 um, in front of the Southampton fans there but the, you, can, you can see just looking at that one play you know there's, there's good movement there's there's obviously clear patterns and, and um, assignments there you've got some blocking going on with, with Martins and it's a, it's a nice little routine which really you know the ball's dropped right on the six yard, on the edge of the six yard box in the centre of the goal and it, it should be a, a relatively easy header for, for someone like Serie A to, to, to uh, put away there but again it's an indicator and it felt like if we could continue doing that and just kind of building that a little bit more you know we've got some of the tools some of the pieces there we can actually start 
making this a, a threat in our game and uh, a potential kind of match winner in, in this situation as well. Tom, at the beginning of the season, Czech Batatsi was, um, you know, chomping at the bit to get on and he, he was only really playing a bit part role and, you know, there were reports saying that he was disappointed the amount of time that he had and slowly and slowly he's got more time and he's kind of earned that time that he's now in a position where, is he, you know, one of those first names on the team sheet type roles or, or is he not quite there yet what do you think no I, de- I definitely think he is um i think that's the first time i've seen him for any length of time in person rather than just on telly um i was really really impressed with him i thought he was a, a menace i thought he moved the ball really quickly he was always very kind of aware of his surroundings and quite sort of press resistant the link up between him Espria, and jamal lewis down that left hand side the little sort of triangle little um trio that they were you know a lot of our threat i felt came through that um he was tenacious out of possession as well and that impressed me so yeah i really just backed up a lot of what i feel like i've seen in the last few weeks um on hive live and on television in person so i was i was really really impressed by him and i'd be very interested to know what the option obligation or if there's anything in the loan that kind of favors us in terms of making that permanent because and what kind of fee we'd be talking about because i think in if we're in the championship next season which suspects in all likelihood we will be then i would like to see him back Real, um, real engine as well, doesn't he? He was tireless. I thought in that in in pretty much every game he plays, he just never yeah. never stops. He doesn't really look Definitely. particularly fatigued by the end of it he's, either. He's a he's a good athlete, and I think the 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 point you touched on right at the beginning there that awareness, that positional awareness, but just kind of that sense of space. Um, one of those players that just kind of so easily dribbles across the defender just to make it you know more awkward, like we see of Espria. Um, uh, even in the build up to the free kick, we saw that from Yasser Espria too. And those two players, the two guys you look to for that real that real technical coordination and quality that, that, that they possess and that the free kick we won all came from that presence of mind of Espria and the ability to kind of execute that run forward from the left-hand side which is the first time I've really seen him from the left and felt overly positive about it you know I think he, he generally looks more comfortable when he cuts inside from the right and has that space open up but I thought he was really effective more direct um, and you know you, you bring Shaq Patate in there and also as you say Jamal Lewis offering you uh, something from the left too and it, it starts to look really really threatening little unit that you can you can occupy that space with um, a little bit of a quieter game for for Kone in the first half though I thought and he came alive a bit in the second but was was I right in thinking that first half was it probably Kone's quieter game for a while I felt like I didn't really notice him I must admit yeah I, I thought so you start to get a bit more involved the second half you know kind of get, he kind of see that that ranginess he looks a bit more confident in possession still which is good to see like he picked the ball up in, in deeper places and, and, and play it forward where he perhaps wouldn't have done at the start of the season he's still got that in it. Not, by no means a bad game I think the second half he looked a lot better you know, started driving into space and, and taking control of the ball a little bit more. But you, know, you talk about Shaq Patadze being a potential first name on the team sheet. Uh, I think he's definitely put his name in the hat to, to kind of get that spot. But it's nice to think that we do have um, some pretty good options there now. You know, we ended the game with Tom Ince in, in the central position, which was a little bit questionable. But um, with KMB, you know, coming back to fitness hopefully soon, you know, I know it's a player we, we've or a position we've identified we could do with some help and potentially. But I do quite like the options we have if they can stay fit. You know, we've got some some variety in there and a game like this just the, the kind of the flexibility of the players in general I think was quite positive to see us switch mentality and be more more passive defensively you know normally we're pressing a little higher being a little bit more aggressive higher up the pitch but this one we kind of switched focus and the players really kind of took to it quite well so you have to you have to credit the coaching staff as well for kind of utilizing these players but also actually focusing them to play in these different styles it was pretty good another really good game from Ryan Andrews Tom yeah, I thought he was excellent. Again, he 
quickly just looks like someone we're going to end up selling for a few million this summer or next summer, whenever it is. I just can't see a world in which we hold on to him forever. Um, he's obviously eye-catching in his pace and the fact that he gets forward and gets shots off and, and stuff and is involved in attacking moves. But I think that often comes at the expense of the defensive side of things with quick uh, fullbacks, wingbacks, doesn't it? And I think he's good and in continuing to improve in that sense as well. So it was a really good all-round game from him. Um, I just hope we can cling on to him for a little bit longer and enjoy him while we got him. Perhaps a little surprising to see him in the FA Cup game. You've thought he might have been one that was rested. <sighs> There's no one else, is there? Bashiru was injured. Because Tom Deli Bashiru was, was missing yeah. completely, wasn't he? Was it hamstring or something? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, don't know. I don't know who would be the next man up in that position. Mm, good point. It's the sort of game where you need to have... Uh, you know, a few youth players who can step up, but I don't even know who, who that would be. Who, who is the, the right back for the under-23s? Anyone know? Um, I don't, I'm not even sure he's playing there right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's it, you, you, if he's fit to play, you know, just play him. We've got a little bit of time to turn around obviously in a couple of days, I guess. But um, I know what you're saying, but he, he did have a good game though. Again, I think he's starting to look more and more com- uh, comfortable, isn't he? You know, there's, there's one... The only the the thing I'd love to see him just just improve on just a bit is if he does get that that space to drive forward, just get a little bit more confidence in taking that shot across goal. He kind of drags yeah. it a little bit, under hits a little bit. We saw it at, um, we saw it away at Plymouth. Obviously, he ended Plymouth. up scoring in that game, but he, he's not quite confident there just yet. You know, he he dragged it wide um, at Plymouth, didn't he? And he kind of well, there's one time sorry where he had the opportunity to shoot, and he kind of laid it off and. And you've got his teammates screaming at him, have a shot, you know, take it on. And I think he could be really effective and become an actual goal threat if uh, he's able to do that a little bit more consistently. Uh, obviously, that's kind of one of the last things you're looking to improve now on, on a fullback. But it's an area of his game, I think, is going to get more chances. You know, as he as he kind of gets better and more comfortable in that right back position, he gets he, he obviously knows he can get back and, and defend. He's going to get more license to go forward. I'm sure Ismail's going to like his ability to do that more and more. I'm expecting to have more chances. So it, he, he's a real promising player, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. He's kind of one of the, the the main ones you look to to kind of watch that development over the next season or two and kind of see where he ends up but really good sticking in defence Matty Pollock was handed a rare start um, in the wake of news that came out in the Watford Observer saying that he submitted a transfer request um, it's uh, it's an odd one actually because he's, he's he arguably gave his best performance of the season and uh, he doesn't really want to be here anymore is seemingly what the what the reports are so how are we feeling about that Tom? feel a little bit for Matty Pollock because he's essentially been tarred with the brush um, of that performance at Millwall, which no one covered themselves in glory. And so to pick out a young lad making his first championship start, I think is particularly harsh. And to be honest with you, apart from a couple of cup games, we usually go out of the cup, the League Cup very early. Mm. And a few kind of sub appearances in the league here and there when they're trying to block it up in the final 10 minutes as he tried to do against Southampton. We haven't really seen a lot to judge him on. And I think people are very quick to criticise, but less quick to hand out praise. But I think he was really, really, really good yesterday. Did all the basics really well. He was, you know, full-blooded in the challenge, won his aerial duels, right place at the right time. And also one little thing I noticed, because again, it happened kind of right in front of me, was towards the end showing a bit of kind of game awareness and leadership in that was telling the ball boy to just slow it down, don't give the ball back so quickly, etc. as we were trying to see out a 1-0 win at that point. So only a small thing, but I, I really like him. And I think it's less a case of him 
wanting to not be at Watford, but be somewhere where he's going to play. Um, I suppose we're already deep enough in the FA Cup that anyone that we're likely to sell him to isn't in the Cup, so it doesn't matter that he's played and he's cup-tied. But I think, you know, he would have given Ismail food for thought yesterday. Yeah, with Porteous and Serralta not really having nailed down that spot next to Hoot, could Pollock play a big role, providing that he decides to stay, for the remainder of the season? I don't see why not. You know, I think... Look, we're late enough in the window right now. There was, there was talk of us being interested in the centre-back at one point. I don't think we can really afford to to lose a centre-back and not bring one in. Personally, I'd be I'd be going with knowing the, the, the more known quantity of Pollock. You know, he's, he's obviously ingrained in the system. He knows what's expected. He's been around the team for quite a while now. He's shown in this game. I thought I agreed with you two. I thought he was really good. Um, obviously, keeping it pretty simple, which I don't think is a bad thing for, for a young defender coming into the team like as he was, especially in a game, you know, you, you're off the ball, you have to kind of main, maintain that focus for long periods. And I think, you know, maybe in some ways it suits him um, being in, in more of a passive side. I think it'd be interesting to see him play uh, a game where we're a little bit higher up the pitch, you know, controlling the ball a little bit more and see how he can impact the team uh, there and, and maybe a bit more of an exposing position for him. But uh, really positive performance. You know, and he, he did hand his transfer request as as the what was ever reported. But you know, he's making the team make a decision. He might just feel that he's uncertain on, on what the situation is, and the team can. You know, there's nothing stopping us saying, okay, well, this is what we have to offer you, and, and seeing if we can come to some solution there. I think this this might be the first taste of that. Possibly, you know, if he feels like he's actually got a chance to play, I don't think you know maybe he's not opposed um, from opposed to staying here if he thinks there's a genuine opportunity so far he just hadn't really had that had he so it was good to see but um, as you mentioned there Matt it's not like Serie Alta and, and Porteous have been kind of outstanding in that position I think you know, we, we know the issues with Porteous and I think Serie Alta has been below his standards at centre-back when he's come in there recently so he's given us a good problem to, to have and I'm interested to see how we deal with it I would be quite surprised if he was to leave now though personally I also thought it was one of Wesley Hoot's better games as well Obviously, the, the the use of the ball is something you identify always. You know, when he's having a good game, you look at those raking passes across the across the pitch and so on. But um, I thought he looked more composed yesterday, much sturdier, sturdier defensively. You know, he looked composed, controlled, he got across, made some made some good challenges, but also read you know reading the game well, good positioning. Again, same as Pollock, stayed focused, stayed in control, and and was able to be quite quite successful there. And yeah, I think he. I think most of us kind of feel a little 50-50 on Hoot, but if he can play that more consistently, then we've, we've, we've got a good defender there and just wanted to kind of point out that, um, give him a little bit of praise too. Which, you know, a game that we talk about, we talk about the performance here and we obviously disappointing result, but really been, even just talking about the individual has been a lot of positive so far. Was there anyone that really stood out as, as not being involved, not playing particularly well? Um, Tom Ince, maybe, when he came on, didn't? Yeah, Tom Ince is the other one who came in for quite a bit of criticism, isn't he? But... I don't think he's Matt Sharp. Obviously, that's not particularly controversial to say. To say, um, or to say, brought in in an unfamiliar position, wasn't he? So I'm not uh, entirely surprised, and and sort of asked to do an unfamiliar job. So yeah, a little bit hard on him, and he probably falls into that category of players that Val, you know, said we were using, but they weren't fit. It's got kind of move away this summer written all over it, I think, hasn't it? If not before, because I know there's been some links with a, a switch to Turkey. 
Mm. I think the issue with Ince is that he's on quite a large contract, isn't he? And that money could be better used elsewhere if he's not going to feature much for the team. I don't know exactly right? what he's on. I don't know if it's really known what he's on, though. I think it's just. I think a lot of it's assumption, isn't it? I'm not entirely sure. But in terms of bad, I don't think they're particularly bad performances. The, the, as you say, there's been some talk about Tom Ince. There were questions over Dan Backman's involvement in the equaliser. Are we ready to talk about the equaliser yet? Or yeah, let's talk about the equaliser then. Um, Jordan, you made a point that was actually brought up uh, on a couple of podcasts. Actually, I think both uh, from the rookie end and do not scratch your eyes. Quoted yourself. Um, I might, I might be, I might be half right there, but um, yeah, they, 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 they said that. Hey, Mister Watford Analytics said that it was a good goal and it wasn't Backman's fault. So uh, now is your chance to, uh, to 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 back up yourself, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, look, I just think I just think it's a really well taken goal. Um, you know, you, if you if you criticise any, and I don't think you can be too too strong on the criticism of these players. Yeah, I think Dennis is a, is he's driving so hard to get back in to defend the edge of the box. He just kind of overruns, and Armstrong's able just to just to cut in and. And then kind of throw him out of the game pretty quickly, but it's, it's the look, it's the look to the far post before he gets his head down to shoot, and that sends. I mean, I'm just going to actually watch it now as I'm talking, but I think it sends at least five Watford players, and also or not including Dan Backman, to the right hand side of the goal to try and block this shot. You know, you look at that replay again, watch everyone take a half step. Everyone's leaning to their left. Backman has to make a decision there. You know, he can't wait for the ball to be struck from that range to to, to necessarily make a decision. If he's going to be proactive, he's got to be anticipating that. And you know, nine times or more out of ten, you're going to see you're going to see the player go for that far corner, and he just brushes it across back to uh, the near post and. It's just a smart, high football IQ goal, as far as I can see. Yeah, I, I just that's just kind of my feeling. I don't know if if you disagree with that or not, but well, yeah, no, I I, I do agree. I do agree. Um, I thought it was a, I mean, a very frustrating goal. I mean, why couldn't we just hold on for another few minutes? But yeah, they brought on the big guns, and um, it was a really good shot from Armstrong. Um, and yeah, I think Backman. I know that it's it's easy to criticise him because people have been doing that and you kind of get sucked into it. But um, I thought that he had a good game and, um, you know, he didn't have much that he could have done about that goal personally. But what about you, Tom? Look, as we all know, I am the master of Dan Backman propaganda. But I thought, and this obviously isn't how it works, so I realise it's going to sound a little bit ridiculous. Right up until that moment, which I don't think was a an egregious error. I thought he had a really good game. I thought he looked calm. I thought he looked composed. I thought he came for crosses uh, and caught them on a few occasions when he previously wouldn't. Punched a couple away when we really needed a big punch to clear. Made, made good saves. We expect that. Was calm and controlled in his distribution when it came back to him. And I don't think it was a big error. I think we've reached the point with Dan Batman where, you know, it's just Groundhog Day and every single goal that goes in has to be his fault because the narrative is so set now that he's a waste of oxygen um, that we have to go for him. Uh, yeah, ideal world. You parry that one out for a corner or parry it away or hold it in the first place. I also think the angle that shot comes in on it and everything. I'm not sure what else he's meant to do. He makes the save. And as you say, Jordan, it's the little look from Armstrong. It's a really clever finish. No one's expecting him to go back across the face of goal like that. You know, expect him to bend it into the far corner. He's a, he's a right footer. Um, it's, it's a really well-finished goal. So, no, I'm not putting on the damn Batman bad wagon. I thought he had a good day. And I think internally, if I was Valerian Ishmael, I'd be pleased with him and I would be saying, yeah, good job. Good enough to get back his number one shirt? I just don't think he will this season. I think... Or possibly ever, because it's become such a divisive 
topic and he's become almost bigger than the, the job now with the contracts and the captaincy and everything. I think it, yeah, I think it's, it's really tricky to reintegrate him unless Batman is unavailable, but never say never. Yeah, just just watching just watching the goal back now. I mean, it's like, I don't think any no one expects him to have the presence of mind, the composure to do that late on, as you say, right foot. You're just expecting that top corner bend, and if you're going to criticise Backman for for biting on that, then I mean, you're criticising the whole the whole back line there, everyone in the box, really. So you know, I, I think we're if you're too harsh on Backman for that goal, I think in my opinion, you're just underselling the goal and, and overselling the uh, the mistake that was made. I think there's there's been genuine criticism of Backman. Uh, I think you can you can debate on on him quite heavily at, at the very least. Uh just I, I just think this one is is quite conclusively not his fault in my opinion really. Maybe the, if anything the parry if you want to say it's a bad parry back it out away from goal which I don't even agree with. I, I think that's more of a problem than the than the actual finish but yeah. Okay then. Um we got to see Emmanuel Dennis, who had been uh, signed uh, in the week since we made the podcast, although actually, did we announce it on the podcast? Didn't we? I think we did. Yeah. So we were we were doing the podcast, and it got announced, and we were able to include it in the last one. And since then, he's been um, training with the guys. There was a you know a nice little announcement video, um, which uh, he seems like he can't go to any club without having that uh, announcement video made about him. Um, and uh, he got to get out on the pitch and um, get a few minutes against Southampton. What did we think? Uh, do you reckon that it's a good signing? Will he be someone that can help us this season? It can be really interesting, isn't it? Because if we get the Dennis that we got in the first half of the relegation season that scored the majority of those 10 goals and got the majority of those six assists, then you reasonably assume he could do some damage in the championship. But I think we can't overlook the kind of baggage that goes around it and those reports that we've seen. And certainly I've been told by a couple of people that there is some substance to that, that he wasn't universally popular when he was here the first time around. The flip side of that is that a lot of those players have moved on. And, you know, if a, if a rising tide lifts all ships, then hopefully the kind of improved character and, and attitude of the squad will drag him along in the, in the right direction. Um, clearly he's not... 100% sharp. I think, you know, what the mind wanted to do and the body could do were slightly detached on um, Sunday. And we also know that Ismail is very much a side over self coach. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily create the perfect opportunity for someone who can be a little bit individualistic at times. But you also need a, a sprinkling of that quality. And he has you know, quality that not many players in this league probably have on their day. So it's going to be really fascinating to see how it works out. Um, I hope, of course, that it kind of all falls into place and goes goes to plan. But it's going to be, I suspect, something we talk about a few times between now and the end of the season. Jordan Val said that he's about three to four weeks away from being fit. And it did look that, to be honest, when he came out. He he was sort of chasing the game, wasn't he? But um do you believe that he can he can get back and um you know be a real be a real influence to this team? Yeah, I don't see why not. I think he looked yeah, a little bit I mean, he looked a bit over eager to me. You know, there was there's a couple of moments where he just kind of he was living up to the hype a little or trying to live up to the hype a little bit with a little cut back in his own half and and try to beat players, and he did get outpaced in the on, on the counter at one point as well. He just didn't quite look there. Uh, but the, the, look, we've seen what he's capable of. We've you know in a, in a 
the higher division as well. You know, he, he's obviously a player that can be effective for us. He's a weapon that we didn't have this time last week. The team's certainly better off just from, you know, on paper, player player for player, we're better off having him you know, at the club. And I think he's a, he's a tool that, that Ismail would be quite quite pleased to have. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he's used. You know, it'd be nice to see him from the start soon. I don't think it will be this week. Uh, against Wednesday, I think it'll be a little bit later than that. As you know, you touched on there, he's not quite at that match fitness yet. Um, but no, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. I think, I think as we as we come to assess in the window as a whole, we'll probably get on onto that in the next podcast. But you know, Dennis is a good start. Um, unfortunately, the good start is quite late in the window if it's not the start and the end. Um, but I, I think we're in a, in a in a better position offensively than we were just a few days ago. Tom, it seems like Val thinks that he's going to be best played on the wing rather than through the middle, which is what we thought he might be uh, deployed as. Um, it's also interesting about the comments that Val made about him, particularly in regards to his mentality, saying that um, he put a great mentality into the deal to make sure he can come to join us and he's going to make a lot of sacrifice, which shows the big mentality. And that's why we're pleased that he's in. So really keen to um, highlight the fact that um, he, he likes his his mental state. Yeah, I tweeted this from my account at the time that the club put out the quotes from Val um, which aren't necessarily what you're referencing here, but I think that was telling in and of itself yeah. that they wanted to kind of get ahead of the game and kind of dictate the narrative a little bit and doesn't say, you know, he's a great guy. Val definitely, definitely wanted him. There's never going to be any question of an issue. Everything's great. Um, because it's not often that you hear from the coach when we sign a player until the kind of press uh, go in before the next game and ask him about it. You know, the club don't often put out that kind of content. So I think there was there was something in that, and then obviously we got the the quotes he gave to the Watford Observer ahead of the Southampton game. But I think it was you know it was interesting that he was fairly kind of open about the fact that he wanted that, or there was interest last summer, but he didn't feel he was the right fit because he wanted a certain type of number nine, which we all know. And I think that's why it makes sense that Dennis will play out wide. I don't think you can pretend there's a world in which he is the right sort of fit to play centre forward in a Valerian Ismail system because he's not um, big kind of he's got upper body strength but he's not that kind of big hulking centre forward in the the way that we've seen Ismail teams before and I think the kind of wide areas were somewhere that I wanted to add prior to the window so I'm kind of pleasantly surprised that we've we've done it I would still like to see additions in a couple of other areas we'll get onto that I'm sure but yeah it's um I'm happy with what we've kind of seen. I'm, and I'm very interested about, we'll buy this idea that he's taken this massive pay cut. You know, that's presumably what he's uh, referencing in, in sort of the, showing the right attitude to come here. So um, they're evidently very keen to kind of airbrush his um, or, uh, or, in, or whitewash his um, reputation. Hmm. Yeah, what, what what's the um what's the story on that? Because it was quoted that he's taking um a pay cut and he's going to be only paid thirty percent. But I don't quite understand how that works because surely he has signed a contract that says he will get a certain amount of money and that will be paid to him, whether it's seventy percent from Nottingham Forest and thirty percent from Watford or, or whatever. Well, I guess we don't know. I mean, there's two options. Either he's getting paid his full salary by Nottingham Forest and us paying 30%, or Forest have said, you're only going somewhere that's willing to to pay your salary, as he was perhaps getting in Turkey. And 
Um, and he has, for, I, I mean, there's nothing stopping them agreeing him forfeiting 70% of his salary. It'd be a, uh, an interesting decision on his part. It's possible that he said so in order to get the move. You know, Watford aren't willing to pay the full thing. He says, all right, the club I, the club can eat that part of my salary and I'll, I'll take the, the 30% Watford are willing to pay. I'm not entirely sure, but if that is the case, you know, that's quite, quite a decision from him. Um, but it, it is a little strange. It's not really been explained fully, has it? Mm. Quite, a, quite a big one. I mean, if he has done that, that is a, a real testament to his wanting to be here and get his career back on track again after a disappointing time at Forest. It's, um, it speaks volumes about the character of somebody who, you know, has had um, bad attitude labelled on him. I mean, it's it's certainly a, a step in the right direction of a, of having a, a good attitude, right? Well, yeah, and I think you know the thing is when it comes to Dennis's attitude in general, you know, it may, I've had similar things to Tom. You know, I've had people say that it is there have been issues with him at Watford in his previous spell. You know, maybe some of that's alleviated, as you say as well, Tom. By the coming and going of different coaches and players and so, and so on, but this is a make or break six months for Dennis, really. In in some ways, you know, he's his reputation has a little bit of that edge to it anyway. But even just from a footballing perspective, you know, he's, he's only 26, but he's really kind of fallen from from where his stock was just uh, just a couple of years ago. And obviously that move to Forest was hopefully for him the, the next step forward, but it's ended up being, you know, a considerable step backwards from where he was just two or three years ago. If he wants to get himself back in the shop window, wants to give himself a chance of playing at a high level again consistently, that starts with a good spell here. You know, if he doesn't do well here, then you're kind of raising even more questions. So I think if he's serious about his career, which, you, which you'd imagine he is, you know, even making that move, it does show some level of intent. Then you expect him to to really be, you know, upping his game and, and looking to be as productive as he can be. And if you're ever going to get a coachable Emmanuel Dennis, it should be now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Okay, cool. Um, Tom, I'm very cynical about that coming from Fabrizio Romano. I think, you know, he is someone who exists because of his relationship with agents and intermediaries. So if they want to put that message out there, what better mouthpiece to use than the Romano? Um, and, you know, he does what he's told so that he continues to get the stories that he does. But I think there's got to be something in it for this to be pushed so hard by kind of several parties now, whether the amount is right or, you know, it's off his basic or off bonuses or, you know, are they giving him kind of less in a basic salary and they're going to make the rest up of it in bonuses. So it's incentivized to play well and score and get assists and get wins for the team. You know, who knows, but someone put it to me. Um, it's hard to disagree with this logic. If you weren't a Watford fan, would you take a 70% pay cut to your salary to play for Watford? <laughs> I find it hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, well, the reports uh, say say it is, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take it uh, at face value for the moment and wait for it to be disproved, I think is probably the best uh, approach. Um, yeah, I think we're all hoping that he can get back to his best because he was a real player for us when he was here in his first spell. Um, during the game, guys, uh, when we were winning, it was looking all great. Everyone was enjoying themselves. And then all of a sudden, some information started to filter through about the draw and that it was going to be an away trip to Liverpool. And people started to, I don't know, just care a little bit less about the final result. Tom? I must admit, I had not seen the draw until after the game. My friend texted me, so... Ah, okay, fair enough. um, I was kind of ignorant of that fact. But at full time, having been forced to a replay and then seen that, I was a bit... Yeah. Jordan, could we do without the replay, firstly? And, and secondly, even if we do get for it, do we really want a game against Liverpool? Yeah, replay's a nightmare. Um, game against Liverpool, look, why not? You know, it's it, obviously a tough game, but... <sighs> I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. Honestly, it's not. I, obviously, it might kill your 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 dreams of, of reaching the final again. But I, I'm I'm not opposed to to playing a big team personally away from home. I think it could be quite enjoyable. And I actually think there's probably a, a decent amount of fans that would be pretty up for it as well. So yeah, I'm I'm not too opposed. Okay. Okay. Cool. I mean, it would be very interesting to see how this team fares against the Premier League side, wouldn't it? I mean, clearly they're not. You know, one of the top teams in the Championship this season but uh, they're hopeful of getting in the playoffs and I think we all believe that they can do if they they get a run together but against the Premier League side that's a completely different opposition and it'll be interesting to see how they fare although it might have been nice to see against uh, maybe someone in the in the, the you know the lower 10 rather than Liverpool but uh, I mean yeah we we, we we historically in recent history uh, have done alright against Liverpool so who knows not Anfield, we haven't. Well, no, that's true, actually, yeah. Although there was the Tommy Mooney uh, goal, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, I think we're stretching the same recent years, though, there, aren't we? Yeah, um, no, that's that's a, quite a long time ago, isn't it? I yeah. would, I would rather this, I'd rather that sort of fixed than, than, than another league counterpart in uh, the Championship, personally. So that I don't. I, I, let's just see if we have to worry about that or not. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I think it's actually, I think it'd be relatively enjoyable. But we'll, we'll see. Okay then, um, shall we answer a couple of questions that we got in um, 
and then uh, look towards mm-hmm. Wednesday night, guys. We got one in from uh, at Nascot Hornick who asks, uh, we've not kept a clean sheet since November uh, the 11th, I think. Will this be the reason we are not in a playoff place? Because we, uh, we're not able to to stop the goals going in our own net. Yeah, I mean, it'll play a part for sure. I think defensively, we've got some issues, obviously, personnel-wise, consistency, and, and just making some some mistakes. But, you know, it's 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 an area that we're not overly confident on still. I think we're, we're not the most solid in terms of our our position groups you know defensively we've got some some injury issues some rotation it's it's a tough one you know we, we're not a, we're not an overly high scoring team uh, so it is yeah it's a problem but a problem that most teams around our level are facing definitely yeah it will be because ultimately we're not prolific goal scorers ourselves we're kind of slap bang in the middle of the pack for goals conceded so it's not you know the case of being dramatic problem but um, I think we can all look back on games where we've seemingly been in control and then and then given up a, a silly goal and and dropped two points. So sometimes I think you're better off losing a few and winning a few than drawing as many as we have. We had 10 draws, by the way, only behind uh, Huddersfield on 13 draws. So there used to be one of the criticisms against kind of Ray Lewington, wasn't it, that we would draw too many and a, a few more wins and a few more losses and we'd actually be better off. So, yeah, I think that's um, I think that's a valid point. And hopefully if we can um, tighten it up at the back in the next few weeks, then we may get and get a few more get a few more results but um it's definitely something that needs to be looked at mm. okay then moving on and uh, we've got a fixture very quickly on the heels of this one it's uh Sheffield Wednesday on Wednesday um what do we expect for this one uh changes i imagine but um any changes that uh, we we might be surprised about or do you think it will be uh, pretty much the guys that didn't feature coming back in and um, as you were. I think that's probably most likely at this point, yeah. I think the big one's got to be what happens with Kone, right? If he he came off with a, was it a calf thing he came off with or a hamstring? Oh yeah, calf injury, yes. Calf injury, yeah, I did forget about the calf injury. So obviously if he's missing, Kayembe's already missing. Yeah, I guess it, uh, it might depend Sorry. on Tom Delibashiri's um, speed and recovery uh, a bit, ability to come back. I think if, if it is a calf injury, he obviously went off with a calf injury. If it mm. if it's enough to take him off the pitch, then you would imagine he's not going to be fit. On, if he plays on Wednesday, he's not fully fit. That's that's kind of where he's at. So it, it'll probably come down to, um, I imagine, a relatively late late decision on that to to see if he can play through it. If it's how much of a risk it is to play through or not. But yeah, not not great to come off with uh, with an injury like that with the game on Wednesday. He won't be training the next two days, I'd imagine anyway. So then, is it that's it? Is it Sierra holding Chak for Tadze or and Livermore? I think. What do you I do? think you're probably looking at most. Or do you go four two? I think you probably look at you. You probably try and get Delibashiri back in. If if he can't, then I mean, yeah, it's a tough one. Yasser Espria and Chepetadze just wouldn't really have that that flexibility positionally and you know defensively. I, I don't think you'd be quite as comfortable there. You know, again though, you are playing a Wednesday team where it might even benefit. It really depends how aggressive you want to be. You know, I think if you, I think Livermore and Sirialta would be quite conservative. It's possible you might see a quite a little bit of a change. Oh, very conservative. Yeah, I'm just thinking who's actually played in midfield this season. Yeah, I mean, quite the options we have are quite offensive. Him and Livermore, it's not great, is it? <laughs> in terms of going to a team that's struggling, 
You want to get someone that's going to get on the front foot. Where does, where does Greaves play? More offensively. He could play in a number eight position, but he's more offensively minded. You know, kind of sip, you're looking, he, he's going to be favouring the attack like the Espriers and, and Shaq Tadze. So, I mean, we saw Ince come on. It's possible he just puts Ince in there, but. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's very possible, isn't it? I, I very much imagine that the, it, it, a lot of it's going to be dependent on if they can force Kone through a game or get. Tom Delibishiru back in time to to get in there. I think it sounded like uh, Delibishiru was missing just as a cor- as a caution more than anything, right? Some of a minor injury. Yeah, I think so. I think they'll, they'll probably go for that. But well, after the Wednesday uh, comes the Thursday, and not just any Thursday. It's transfer window deadline shutting Thursday, and uh, as we're talking about a few players that are injured or possibly. Uh, not able to feature on the Wednesday. Does that come into the thinking of, of Val, or is he still really thinking about only one or two positions, if if any, that he needs to fill? I think um, the the kind of issues are unchanged really for me. I would like to see another right back, but I don't think we will. I think left sided centre half is the one, and maybe another midfielder. But he's said kind of happy with midfielders and forwards. So I think if we do anything, it'll be that left side is centre half to provide some competition for or back up at least for Hoop but then you suddenly end up with five centre backs and I suppose maybe it frees up Sierra Alta to be considered a number six more often than he's considered a centre half yeah Jordan would you be dipping into the transfer window well I suppose yes, that's a different question isn't it do you think they will dip into the question, into the transfer window I think I kind of, I kind of tweeted about this earlier but you, ideally this is a window where you're opportunistic and you know, you lie on your feet you, you take a deal if it comes up and you, and you think it helps the team in, in the short term in the immediate you don't try and do long term business here we've discussed that a million times but you know unfortunately our recruitment plan has been a bit of a let's hold on and see in January kind of what where we are then you know what injuries we have who's who's playing well who's performing who's not who's not happy who's going you know too much of our business revolves around January and quite often we're we're, we're quite unsuccessful with the players we bring in uh, in terms of how much they're going to play for us down the line so you know I think our goal is to do as little as possible in January unfortunately there are positions of need right now you know even the way we're discussing about this number eight we are a bit short in in uh, some positions if we do have an injury it depends what the goal is if the if the if the real target is playoffs and, and we're serious about that as some of the you know someone like Dennis within would kind of imply that you're somewhat serious about trying to make that push then then you would be looking to help um but we've left it incredibly late so I, I don't think we've done a good job of it we'll see when it closes but I think kind of my intuition right now is that it's going to be very similar to the previous windows of very little activity but maybe, maybe we'll be wrong. I've seen a few rumours spoken about about um, left foot centre backs and so on. So potentially there'll be some movement there. Um, but yeah, very hard to tell with uh, with Watford. Okay, cool. Um, I think that'll about do us for this week. Um, just before I go though, uh, how would you guys like to hear uh, a few lovely reviews that uh, have come in? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay. So uh, a five star review left by the Gauch or the Gosh. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce that, but excellent for Watford fans, knowledgeable and measured. Unlike many fan-based podcasts, there's no hysteria, excessive expectations or pushing of unfounded agendas. Instead, you get informed analysis of the team and the games in engaging manner. That's lovely. Very nice. 
I'm glad that we've hidden our unfounded agendas as much as we have. Then that's good. I would agree with that. Yeah. How about another one? Because I'll treat you today. This one from Matthew Koo. Uh, Great Watford podcast. Really enjoy this. All three hosts are knowledgeable and talk well and intelligently, particularly like Jordan's tactical eye in an era of lots of mediocre fan content. This is top tier. Well done, guys, and look forward to more. Look at that, Jordan. A special mention for you as well. Nice. Well, clearly got great taste. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that I, I, very nice to hear that people are enjoying it. And obviously, as always, we try to we try to talk about stuff that's you know relevant and interesting, and hopefully. Hopefully people will enjoy being or feeling part of the conversation because we like hearing from you guys too. I would like us to get a few more questions as well going forwards again. We we, we generally do a pretty good job of that. But um, yeah, we need to engage with everyone a little bit more. But yeah, really nice to hear. So thanks for the reviews as always. Yeah, thank you very much, Matthew Koo and the Gauch. Uh, if you would like to join them, it's very easy to do so and we'd love to read them out on the pod. Just go to uh, iTunes, type in What for Buzz Podcast or just go to Google, type in What for Buzz Podcast iTunes. Uh, you'll find us there. Go down to the bottom and give us a rating out of five and leave a little comment and we'll read it out on the show whether whether it's good or bad we'll read it out and if someone has made it this far again to the end of the podcast which there must be just one or two of you right now we did go through a phase of asking people what they do whilst listening to the podcast and if we do have any new listeners or people that didn't reply the first time I am still curious what you're doing as you're listening to this podcast because yeah we've had some good ones so far so if you're still here let us know you're still here by telling us yeah Thanks very much, Jordan. And thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back, uh, hopefully, this week, if we can do so. Uh, If not, it will be after the Cardiff game on the Saturday, so we'll be probably bringing something out this time next week. But we'll see if we can get something, a special transfer special out. Uh, Hopefully that Watford help us out there by by doing something so we have something to talk about. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed this one. We'll be back uh, very, very soon from Matt, from Tom, and Phil Jordan. We've been the Watford Buzz podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you next time. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.